Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our insight series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more insight series updates. And as always, like, subscribe and share. Hello and welcome to Sibylline's podcast series. Today we'll be discussing Libya's upcoming elections on the 24th of December. Here with me to explain the context and the circumstances and what we think might happen are Middle East analyst Valeria Scotto and Middle East associate analyst Anastasia Chisholm. Thank you very much for joining me today. I have said that elections are expected to take place on the 24th of December, but as we saw in news today, there has been a military build-up in Tripoli with buildings and institutions being surrounded and apparent threats uh, to delay elections. Valeria, perhaps could you set the scene for us, explain some of the background and let me know what you think the obstacles are to the elections taking place? Most certainly the overnight developments in Tripoli come in a way as, as no surprise. Over the past weeks, tensions have been rising between the current presidential candidates among armed factions and the institutional divisiveness in Libya has just grown stronger and stronger. On the 24th of December, Libya should hold its first ever presidential election, at least the first round of voting, with a second round in mid-February, which would happen in parallel to parliamentary elections. However, as you were mentioning, there are several obstacles to holding these elections, and now it appears increasingly probable that they, they might be delayed, and it is uncertain how, what shape and what time frame this delay will take. So elections have are part of the UN-backed process of the Libyan Dialogue Forum, and so they're part of a larger roadmap, which should see Libya transition into a post-conflict environment. But The fact that elections will take place clearly does change the status quo and the stakes of many actors present. And Libya is not a unified country. It is its institutions are still severely divided, even though a government of national unity has been formed earlier this year. But there have been persisting clashes with the eastern based House of Representatives that are sort of more affiliated to Haftar and other eastern based forces. Therefore, we have the institutional divisiveness as a first obstacle. In second place, to hold these elections, electoral laws were passed unilaterally. And therefore, according to many, they don't have legality and legitimacy in the eyes of a large portion of the political elite. The, the way candidates have been vetted has also been highly contested. The current um, sort of front runners and with the most contentious candidates of this race are the interim prime minister, Debeva, commander Khalifa Haftar, and the son of Libya's late dictator, Saif al-Islam Gaddafi. So as you can see, these three candidates do not represent a figure that has an overarching consensus among Libyans and among the institutions. And according to some, they should not be able to run uh, due to the electoral law and its restrictions. And so we are now standing here eight days before such a, a crucial vote with no final list of candidates, which is definitely just a practical and logistical obstacle to holding these polls, and therefore not enough time to campaign. So I'd say overall, there are several elements 
that are making uh, these elections a highly contentious and difficult process to ensure. Thank you very much, Larry. That a fascinating background, but uh, I have to say, I'll ask you uh, at the end, but it doesn't seem to me like these elections are going ahead. But perhaps one of the reasons for that is how all this is impacting on the security situation. Perhaps if I could turn to you, Anastasia, could you give me a sense of how the security situation has developed in in recent weeks and and how we think it might do in the period leading up to the proposed election date of 24 December? So the elections were set to follow a decade-long conflict which has driven sustained political instability. And that being said, over the past couple of years, Libya has broadly seen an improvement in its security environment, which kind of be shown by the return of international oil and gas players into the country. However, the build-up to the planned elections, as well as the candidates of uh, Haftar and Gaddafi, have reignited tensions between rival factions, largely based in Misrata, Tripoli and Zintan. And this has really led to violent clashes in August and September. And regardless of what happens with elections or the formation of a new government, we're really likely to see elevated levels of political violence and possible armed confrontations in the coming months. In particular, militia activity will be high in Tripoli, particularly the case following last night's events, as we mentioned, groups convening around the PM's offices. And this could possibly trigger a response from rival groups in the coming days or weeks. That's very helpful. Thank you very much, Anastasia. You mentioned international parties becoming more at ease coming into the country. Of course, as is so often the case in this region, this conflict and the situation since uh, Gaddafi's removal has not been carried out in isolation. There have been multiple international players getting involved, as we know, from uh, you know Turkey and France, the UK and the US initially, then the UAE and Qatar and Russia, with weapons having been provided, attempted arms embargoes, and goodness knows what else. How do you think, Valeria, that the, the foreign influence is affecting the current political and security environment in Libya as we approach these elections? Yes, definitely. As you mentioned, foreign actors have played a a substantive role within Libya, as you were naming, also Italy, France and the UAE. But in particular, Turkey and Russia have solidified actually physically their, their presence within Libya. And they will they will be part of, of what happens should these elections take place or should they not take place? Turkey has always supported the Western camp, first with the Tripoli-based government of national accord and has supported the government of national unity militarily with troops. And Ankara really just wants to support a candidate, any candidate that will uphold the 2019 maritime demarcation deal. And it also wants to secure additional energy deals in the future and potentially seek construction deals. So have a a stronger business foothold in in the country. Similarly, Russia has always backed uh, Haftar militarily, but in comparison to Turkey, it has had a more opportunistic sort of role. So in these elections, what Moscow wants to remain is quite flexible. They have supported the election, as has Turkey, because that has been the biggest push from the international community. But at the same time, they have a strong position with Wagner Group proxies in oil fields in the country. And so they want to maintain this de facto control over the facilities. Currently, I think the most recent estimates set the number of Russian mercenaries at about 7,000, with a total of 24,000 
sort of foreign fighters, which is a significant amount. So in particular, foreign actors will have a role in terms of trying to support the side that will facilitate and preserve and secure the current status quo and their interests, in particular in relations to oil and gas and in maintaining a military presence within the country, which will likely exacerbate the current confrontation among factions and will definitely not be of help in terms of the political process and the wider negotiation aspect of what a post-election Libya would look like. Okay, well, thank you very much, Valeria. That's a very helpful overview of the foreign influence. Let's leave aside for a moment the question of whether or not the elections will actually take place on the 24th. Anastasia, could you give me a sense of what the key priorities and prospects are for either the current government, if there aren't elections, or the next government, if there are, will be in 2022? To begin with, any new executive or even the extension of the currently limited mandate of the GNU would really be facing a bunch of legitimacy concerns uh, among interested parties, as well as uh, within the wider population. Um, And ongoing issues will be primarily Libya's national reconciliation, which is likely to continue to be undermined by rival armed groups vying against one another for power and influence, as well as ongoing division between uh, the East and the West. Also, any government, whether post-election or not, will have to face the challenge of repairing relations between its oil and gas ministry and the National Oil Corporation, as well as maintaining the physical security of the country's pipelines and refineries uh, to support foreign investment operations and export. Thanks very much. And I'll be a bit tough on you guys. Can you give me your forecast? Do you think these elections are going to happen? And what's the, you know, the consequence if they don't? Valeria, what do you think? Are we going to have elections next week? It, it is truly the, the, the million dollar question. I think elections or a form of ballots being opened will happen. It must na- much now rests on what the House of Representatives will say after the, the Electoral Commission statement that there is not an environment for these elections to go forward. But I think the, the international pressure around this process will sort of have some form of elections happening on the 24th, but I am quite doubtful about the possibility of holding a second round or even being able to to wrap up a a first round and have proper exit polls. I believe that if they do go ahead, ballots will, locations will face problems regarding voter intimidation. Already a number of ballot cards were stolen from several cities in Western Libya this past week. So I think this first round is likely to to happen nonetheless, if nothing with regards to the House of Representatives changes in these next eight days. But I believe that there will be a significant uptick in in violence. Uh, Thank you very much. And what about you, Anastasia? Elections next week or not? That's a tough one. I honestly think it's pretty improbable to have a fully functioning set of presidential elections uh, to take place next week. So if one is held, results are likely to face intense contestation, uh, as Valeria just referenced. Valeria, finally, before we go, could you give us a sense of how this situation and its ramifications are likely to impact on businesses operating in Libya more widely? 
yes, definitely businesses will be watching closely the sort of developments and probably have already been keeping a close eye on, on what's happening in Libya. Should the security environment deteriorate further, companies and businesses in particular in the oil and gas sector are likely to face elevated operational risks just because of how crucial the oil and gas sector has always been for Libya. We also foresee a heightened bystander risk for foreign personnel working in the country. Armed factions are likely to attempt at least to take control over critical infrastructure, which can have implications for oil outputs and exports. The persistent challenge of achieving a viable governance structure and sort of settling on a power sharing solution in the future will continue to undermine business and investor confidence in investing in Libya's economy more broadly. Consequently, in the next couple of weeks and months, it will be crucial to see how Libya's post-conflict transition, what path it will take, and therefore how this will feed into the business environment and to the wider peace process. Okay, well, thank you both very much. Progress, I suppose, in Libya. Let's see what 2022 holds. Hopefully, an improvement across the board. Thank you again, and I look forward to talking about this uh, with you in the future. And now, with a look at events coming up over the next few weeks, I'd like to welcome Sabrina Mangum, our Eurasia Associate Analyst. Thank you. In Latin America, Chile's presidential runoff election is scheduled for this Sunday, with far-right conservative candidate Jose Cast competing against Social Democrat Gabriel Boric. If Cast secures more votes, granting him the position of president-elect, businesses should be prepared for higher chances of protests, as he is unlikely to address the demand of social protests, which erupted in the country in 2019. Over in Europe, the emergence of the Omicron variant has pushed countries like Germany to issue new COVID-19 restrictions. With this in mind, more violent anti-vax and far-right demonstrations are expected over the weekend and the coming week. Elsewhere, Tunisian President Kai Syed has moved the country's revolutionary anniversary from the 14th of January to the 17th of December. Both pro- and anti-government demonstrations will take place on Friday, and possibly over the weekend. The Citizens Against Coup movement has already called for protests the majority of which will concentrate on government buildings and squares in major urban centres, and are likely to face a heightened state security posture with possible violent clashes. In Asia Pacific, Taiwan's electorate will vote on four referendums that could have major bearings on Taiwan's energy and trade policies on Saturday. Campaigns on both sides have been largely peaceful and voting day is expected to be trouble-free. However, depending on the outcome, issues such as allowing imported pork containing ractopamine, as well as the restart of a nuclear power plant, could sustain activism and protests from farmers and environmental groups. Finally, in Hong Kong, a twice-postponed legislative election will be held on the 19th of December. This poll will be the first following an overhaul of Hong Kong's electoral system, under which all candidates will need to be pre-approved by a pro-Beijing election committee, among other changes. The move has stifled political opposition. Turnout is expected to be very low, 
given a lack of candidate choices across the broad political spectrum. Authorities have stepped up security ahead of the vote and the strictly enforced national security law acts as a deterrent against large anti-government protests and unrest. Thank you very much, Sabrina. If you'd like to ask any questions about today's podcast or anything else that interests you, please don't hesitate to get in touch at our email, info at sibyline.co.uk. Mm-hmm.